Hey, hello, everybody. This is Rob's Observations. I am your host, Rob Liefeld. Welcome to the show. Welcome to another crack-a-lackin' edition of our uh, comic book superhero collecting movie streaming TV podcast. We cover it all here, and uh, we have a, the very best time, mostly because you guys are always along for the ride. Um, I hope you are doing well. I hope this finds you um, happy and, and enjoying what looks like to be really good times, uh, for, for, for everyone as, as at least where I'm sitting here in the United States, our, um, pandemic numbers are, are great. You're st- you're seeing headlines of, you know, is, is this the last deadly wave we'll see, you know, is it passing us by reason I'm bringing this up? Isn't because I'm interested so much in talking the science of the pandemic. I'm not qualified or um, the politics of the p- pandemic, I have no interest. It's because uh, looking at the weekend's box office numbers, we had this enormous, amazing uh, opening for Venom 2 that smashed through its pre-pandemic numbers in 2019. It uh, did $90 million in the box office with people returning to theaters. My wife and I were coming back from dinner on Friday night, and we, we have a brand new... Um, Kind of the, the 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 irony of 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 this 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 great new theater that we got in our town, uh, with a couple of different IMAXs. I mean, brand spanking new opens in 2019. Uh, the 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 uh, last Star Wars film, uh, Rise of Skywalker, was kind of the big centerpiece to sell tickets and do big business. And it's such a beautiful theater. And just just like everything you, you, that the, the you love in a modern day theater, the relaxing, the reclining seats, the IMAX, um, really great Art Deco design, just a beautiful building, and shut down March 2020 due to the pandemic. Well, we are driving home and we turn past the street because it's really a neighborhood now, like cinema, and there is so there are so many young men on the streets right outside the theater. Uh, adjacent to the parking lot and the parking structure and they're all college age and they're all chatting it up and I said to my wife they all went and saw Venom for sure 100% cut to the next day I had a signing at Arsenal Comics in Newbury Park thank you for having me Arsenal Comics great show out great um, enthusiastic fans coming out for a signing and uh, you know we, we, we me and my team were vaccinated I, I mentioned that because it's a shield for me it's a shield Okay, we have the, uh, a, a form of a shield. Is it an impenetrable shield? No, we know that it's not, but we do. We also wore masks the entire signing. Everyone who was at the signing also wore a mask. Great turnout. Tons of people in, uh, in, in, in Venom and Carnage shirts. And, you know, obviously I'm, I'm excited because I've got a Deadpool Carnage variant, a Deadpool Venom variant. So, you know, in the business of variants, it was, um, it's great to see that, that you can, I, I actually picked my ponies fairly, fairly well for this season, given that these movies were coming out and, uh, and people, I was talking to kids. There was a lot of kids, an entire family of five. I don't know if they were all three brothers, maybe in a, two brothers and a friend, but the mom and dad, they had just come from, come from seeing Venom too. They were hyped. They were buying, um, the, 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 the Venom and the Carnage Deadpool variants that I have. So I was talking to them about the movie and they're like, we just came from the movie. We just came right from the movie to, to the store signing. And again, um, when you look at the numbers, they're going back to the theater. You, you need a lot of people in seats, in theaters to make that number. Obviously, Venom is not available on a streaming platform. 
So you had no other choice but to go into a theater. So obviously, as a consumer of the pop culture and the love of cinema that I have, I'm excited that it looks like we're returning and and movies like uh, following in Venom 2's footsteps like No Time to Die, the, the last Daniel Craig Bond movie, the 25th, is it the 25th James Bond movie? Um, I hope that this bodes well for that success and amazingly for Dune, which comes out a couple weeks from now. I am so excited for Dune. I am so like through the roof, through the roof excited for Dune. And, uh, and, and, and so it just seems like people are resuming, uh, you know, life. And, and I, I said a couple weeks ago when, when Shang-Chi opened so big a month ago, I'm like, man, looks like things are back. And people are like, no, no, it's not back. Um, and there's definitely a, a, a wave of people who don't want us to resume out of whatever, uh, concerns they have. I understand that uh, life has always found a way to move forward. Uh, and, and, um, and, and I think it's, it's going to continue in this case and I'm excited. And if you look at the numbers in the comic book business, comic books are selling great. So comic book movies are doing great. Comic books are doing great. And what's to come is just mind blowing. And what is the buzz at these store appearances, personal appearances that I do, I'm sure it'll be the buzz when I head out to New York city this weekend for the New York City Comic Con, which I think is going to be tremendous. The people of New York, um, all of the surrounding boroughs and regions, have, the East Coast celebrates their comics like nobody else does. That has been my personal experience my entire career. And they get up for um, celebrating comic book talent, comic book, uh, uh, legit comic book, you know, creators, the people who make them, the publications, the characters, they're not always as wrapped up into the films and into the shows. So I'm excited to see so many of them. I know they're going to just storm the castle. If the New York Comic Con of Javits Center is a castle, they're storming it. It's going to be great. It's going to have a great turnout. And I'm sure the buzz is going to be Doctor Strange, you know, Mouth of Madness. Is that what it's called? I think so. Something Madness. Uh, the Spider-Man film. Um, you know, uh, uh, all, both movies will be uh, implementing uh, a version of the multiverse, which is so funny, which we're going to dwell on a little bit today, given that uh, the, the multiverse used to be this giant pill to swallow in the business. And I'm going to get kind of into the weeds with that in a little while because it's fun and it's fun to examine and, and, and to look back. Uh, but we are full steam ahead uh, between the Marvel shows, between the Loki show in particular, and the idea of variants. And the, the I mean, that entire Loki show seemed like a kind of a uh, a beginner's guide to understanding the multiverse. And you're like, ah, oh, life, I understood the multiverse back with the Miles Morales into the Spider-Verse. I actually pin that film into the Sony's, into the Spider-Verse, and the excellent work just from top to bottom all over Story, animation, final cut, the entire, the direction, all of it. I believe that is the movie that kicked down the doors to give us our current multiverse state. I don't know how you can make the announcement against it. I know obviously DC has their Flashpoint. Hopefully they'll call it Flashpoint. And um, where, where, you know, just today I read Ben Affleck speaking about how much he loved returning to Batman, uh, filming his segments in The Flash. I, I assume it's a Flashpoint movie, but also we have confirmed and have seen set photos of Michael Keaton returning as 
the in the role that he made so famous with the uh, when he jumped in and wore the cowl in 1989's um, most excellent Batman film. So whatever what other whatever other curveballs they're going to throw at us is going to be interesting, and I'm, I'm sure there is stuff that they are in deep, deep, deep lockdown right now. Um, would I? I've heard nothing about this, but would I love Ryan Reynolds to fly by as Green Lantern again? Yes, I would. I think that is uh, that would be nothing short of phenomenal. I was hoping it was going to be some sort of you know cameo um, from him in the Snyder Cut. That didn't happen. I know that Zach has said that it was discussed. The reason I'm discussing it now is because it's a possibility, and these movies trade on our possibilities. The possibility of this, that, and the other is what is keeping... It is the new currency in the comic book film world. It used to be the comic book, the, the 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 currency of comic books, but now more than ever, it is the possibility of what you are going to say that you're not that you're not expecting to see. We've all read because I know you guys. If you're listening to the show, you're 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 consuming all of the same stuff that I consume, possibly much more. But we've all read uh, the James McAvoy is is going to be uh, Professor Xavier in Doctor Strange. Um, I've read that. It's a rumor, but it's so sourced and it's been spoken of in a more um, legitimate way than when I brought up a couple months back about the sites and the people who read them that are just literally wishful thinking that put out something every day that that, that has a mysterious source that says something unbelievable is coming and, and uh, <clears throat> you know, that... that the guy that I ran into that congratulated me on Jim Carrey being the villain for Deadpool 3 when I said that hasn't happened yet. And he said to me, again, with a smile on his face and a gleam in his eye, but I want it to be true. But I want it to be true. This James McAvoy thing as Xavier, I think is is a little more than I want it to be true. Will it make final cut? I don't know. Did it happen? Not sure. But there seems to be that level of buzz in regards to possibilities. I mean, would any of us be surprised if Hugh Jackman walked through again as uh, Wolverine, that is pure and total speculation. Am I am I now uh, uh, taking part in that which I criticize a little, but I'm identifying that it is not legit. Um, that would be my wishful thinking, is Hugh Jackman walking by as Wolverine again, whether it is in the Spider-Man uh, far, far from home. Um, so, so, so wait, no, no, no. There, there's Homecoming, then there's... Is, is, is this No Way Home? I, it, all, all The entire trilogy has home in it, right? So what I didn't do is my homework before mentioning the third film, but we all know that there's, there's a third film. It's got the trailer. It's got, um, you know, the, 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 the Doctor Strange trying to help Peter out, or is it Doctor Strange? All the speculation is maybe we saw two different Doctor Stranges in that trailer. It certainly was a little weird and fishy. And, uh, and then... Um, you know, we 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 are 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 glimpsing, um, you know, Doctor Octopus. We we hear him in in the in the uh, in in the uh, in in the trailer. So so it's like, uh, you know, are we that that's the biggest? Are we or aren't we? Are we going to see Tobey Maguire? Are we going to see Andrew Garfield? Um, you know, it, it, it's um, it's really a, a crazy crapshoot in regards to the possibilities. But what I'm telling you about is now. I mean, we saw it with all the Star Wars films when the J.J. Abrams relaunched Force Awakens. And then in between each movie, it was back to who's going to do what? Who's going to turn to the dark side? Who's going to live? Who's going to die? Speculation drives this stuff. It always has. There's no denying it. I partake. I'm, I, I am a participant in it. 
but the uh, the possibilities now in a, in a filmic in a in a cinematic world where the, the where we've all now digested through again Loki through into the Spider Verse that portals open, people fall out. There's variations. You're from this different continuity. You're from this different parallel whatever universe. You know existence. People are totally open to it, and it is, and it ha- always has been. The it was for so long the domain that comics excelled in like no other. But now we're cinematic, the cinematic rules are being flexed because you can get Michael Keaton back as Batman without his standalone film and have him walk through a sequence or a segment or several segments and just get your rocks off that he is Batman again after X amount of years. I mean, and and uh, and, and and Ben returning in the cowl after after a, 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 a several year break is, is, is exciting. Are they going to share the screen or is it just, you know, segments along the way? We don't know. But we're excited by it, and 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 the same with the Marvel versions of that. So we have, you know, multiple multiverse movies coming. But I'm going to tell you where I first encountered the multiverse, and I would like to, you know, know because uh, everyone, as I say this, is going to have their own version of when they encountered their version of the multiverse. Well, when I was a wee lad starting out, 19. 19- 75 is my first encounter with the uh the 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 multiverse as it was um portrayed uh with um the Justice League in their crossover with the Justice Society. Now, so the first Justice League Justice Society crossover, I did not participate in. I was not around for it. It was not something I was you know, even alive to experience. I was born in 1967. Um, and uh, the, 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 the first one of these is in August of 1963, Crisis on Earth One is the name of the uh, Crisis on Earth One is the name of the Justice League uh, <clears throat> uh, Justice Society crossover. And this took place in Justice League of America number 21. It's got a great cover. The Justice League are kind of, Justice Society are appearing over a table where the Justice League are meeting. It's Superman, it's Green Arrow, it's Aquaman, it's Green Lantern, it's Adam, it's Martian Manhunter, it's Wonder Woman, and Batman. And out of kind of a crystal ball apparatus, a um, a vision of the Justice Society. Um, the older or alternate versions of um, our beloved Justice League, the, the characters that I was familiar with due to my familiarity now with just not only the comics, but the Super Friends cartoon, which had been on briefly in 74, 75, and then returned in 77. So the, uh, you know, the, the, the original version of this happened way before I was born, but they never stopped. You know, you got Dr. Fate, Hawkman, Black Canary, Hourman, these traditional, what I, what I said to my wife today, and I'm going to try it now, and maybe it'll go down as easy as she said it went down for her because I was talking to her about all this stuff because this is what we do in the mornings when we're watching news programs. She's having her coffee. Um, I'm having my you know iced coffee, and I'm, I'm already drawing a page. I'm already up. I'm drawing 6 a.m. She wanders down about 8 o'clock, um, joins me. We are have a very empty house at the moment. Um, uh, both my boys are, are, now, are now not under our roof at this time. Um, one is off filming a project. Another is off his senior year in college. And my daughter is a senior in high school. So we many times during the day are in an empty nest syndrome. So we 
eventually circle back to comic book, sci-fi, pop culture, um, inevitably, no matter how much my wife <laughs> would like to avoid it. But she's always curious. She's got a very curious sense to her. So I'm explaining to her that when I first encountered uh, the crossover, the 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 uh, Justice League, Justice Society, that it was very simple to to digest in in that um, uh, the Justice League book would open up and say, "Hey, everybody!" Basically, in a nutshell, th- these characters are from Earth One. That's the Justice League. That was, as I understood it, the present day DC Comics continuity. It was very easy to digest. These are where your characters live. This is where the Superman that you're buying, the Batman that you're buying. The Wonder Woman comics you're buying, and when they get together as the Justice League, this is where they live. Earth One, Earth Two, is essentially at that time where the World War II era versions of these characters exist. And if they want to have World War II era adventures, that's where they occurred. Otherwise, it didn't make sense um, how Superman could have been around in World War II, um, in, in, in because in modern continuity he didn't come at that time. And 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 he has gray temples in the Earth Two Justice Society book that they were just starting to to publish again in seventy five seventy six, and there's alternate versions of Robin. The Robin uh, of of Earth Two had a much cooler costume than I think the Robin of the Earth One. The 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 Batman and Robin, the standard Batman and Robin, the shorts, um, and the bare legs that you always saw that this Robin had a cooler, sleeker shirt. Um, other guys like myself, I've talked to Alex Ross because I saw him drawing a bunch of that Earth 2 Robin in the late 90s. And he's like, oh yeah, this this was the Robin that I was obsessed with. Me too. I was only getting him a few times a year. Again, the Justice Society was appearing in a rebirth of uh, of a comic called All-Star Comics. And, and this is where Power Girl and Huntress and modern day DC icons were born in the pages of this book. Um, but, but they had a more World War II centric origins and they would still sometimes have World War, World War II adventures. Okay. Which is why they were older and alternates. There was a different Green Lantern. There was a different Adam. Um, Dr. Fate really had dominion only in Earth 2. He did not exist in Earth 1. And it was easy if you were a comic book fan because they said this group of characters exists in Earth 2. It's a slightly different Earl Earth then then we know history is different there they exist in a different kind of dc comics history easy the first time i read it as a kid if it's 1975 i'm telling you i'm eight years old i digested it it's easy i got it earth one earth two well then add on that earth s and there's more earth s is introduced in the 1976 justice league america 136 137 I assume this is at the time because Shazam slash Captain Marvel, Billy Batson, is a Saturday morning live action show that is on CBS. I I never missed an episode. There was um, two different actors that portrayed Captain Marvel across the history of the show. And I never missed a season or an episode. It was very kind of low-key in terms of superheroics and superpowers. They did their best with the flying technology, the feats of strength, throwing plastic rocks that I didn't know were plastic boulders. They looked like real boulders until you took the Universal Studios tour when you were 10 or 11 and you realized, wow, $6 million man, bionic woman, Shazam, they're all throwing these very realistic rubber boulders. And and they're bending rubber bars of steel on, on, you know, the prison cells. So because Shazam 
and uh, Captain Marvel, Marvel, Billy Batson, they all had this new show that was going multiple seasons on Saturday mornings. Um, and then they uh, obviously, uh, Oh Mighty Isis became a companion show and, and they would cross over. But uh, Captain Marvel, Shazam, big deal, Saturday morning, multiple seasons. So that summer's Justice League, Justice Society crossover, and they were doing this a lot was adding a different component. It was adding the Shazam family of characters. And they were from Earth S and King Cull. A Shazam villain was the bad guy. And the cover to Justice League America 137, when I went to grab this out of my boxes, I'm like, there it is. I have three copies of this thing. These are three, and and, and one is the most beater of the beater copies. The others are bagged and boarded. Superman is flying directly into a collision with, with uh, Shazam, Captain Marvel. They are... Uh, fists outstretched, Wonder Woman, Green Lantern, Flash, Batman, Earth 2, Robin, and the Marvel, the Captain Marvel Jr., Mary Marvel are all cheering them on. On top of the peak of the mountain is King Cole, who's got his red, I think, kryptonite, which is manipulating Superman to battle Captain Marvel. But in this story, they're all having multiple team-ups. The, um, Last year, it was fun. You know, you got you got your your multiple speedsters. They're battling this giant robot. Um, very exciting issue. It's it's uh, this is written by E. Nelson Bridwell. It is and and Martin Pasco. Uh, it is illustrated by Dick Dillon. It is a load of fun. As were these crossovers each and every single time to see the Shazam family united with the Justice League and the Justice Society fighting in unison against this giant robot. Does the giant robot have a name? I, I believe it does. I, I think I saw it earlier. Um, they're all uh, uh, uniting to battle, uh, you know, King Cole, the Lord of the Beastmen, and, um, you know, a, a giant nuclear-powered robot named Mr. Atom, okay? And they're all flying off his chest. They're, they can't defeat him. Very exciting. Ends, the culmination of the issue is indeed Captain Marvel and um, and Superman flying right towards each other right at the last minute. I don't want to spoil it for you. It's fun. Um, the, 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 that introduced Earth-S. Earth-S was where they were pulling from all the Shazam, Mary Marvel, Captain Marvel Jr., King Cole characters. There's also a character called Bullet Man. Bullet Man is this weird public domain character because Bullet Man was also a G.I. Joe at the same time in the adventure series of toys prior to the Real American Heroes that you all loved in the 80s. The last Hail Mary for the G.I. Joe line post-Vietnam War when everything war-related was very out of sync with where the country was going. And um, they tried to pivot G.I. Joe. They gave him a Bionic Man. The Atomic Man was a was a partner and also Bullet Man. And 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 there's a Bullet Man in in this in this crossover. There's a Bullet Man uh it, it, on the on in the Shazam universe. So I'm like, when I was a kid, I was like, hey, this guy's got a bullet for a head. This looks rad. I'm totally into this. Um this was just such an absolute blast. Um, you know, again, King Cole tried to have conquest on Earth S and the heroes of Earth One and Earth Two are pulled into it. One year later, they go super big time and they go, we need to blow people's minds even more. If you've listened to this show even a little bit, you know that I have a absolute passion for and love of the DC Comics Legion of Superheroes. It is, it, they are my, literally my favorite DC Comics, uh, 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 super team characters, what have you. 
Well, the summer of 77, one summer later after the Shazam, because now it's not enough to have Earth 1 and Earth 2. It's, I am holding Justice League America 147, 19 superheroes and the greatest team-up of all time in space, the Legion of Superheroes, teams with the Justice League and the Justice Society on this annual event. What I failed to mention is it was an annual event. You knew as a kid, June, July, August, the summer months, Justice League and Justice Society were getting together. And it was so much so that like the characters would mention it, like, hey, it's that time of year again, we're getting together. In one of these, they're like bringing like, you know, they're, they're, the Justice League, which is on a satellite, is like, hey, let's welcome everybody through the portal. And, uh, and and like right here, Wildcat, in the first opening pages of Justice League 147, from Earth 2, the Justice Society is arriving on the Justice League satellite. And Wildcat is saying, oh, your stupid dimensional transporter needs an hour to warm up again. And, uh, and then uh, they started to uh, argue, Wildcat and Green Arrow, and then the Earth 2 Green Lantern, the older Green Lantern, separates them with two giant green hands so that they don't knock on each other. And then Power Girl, who is kind of the Earth 2 Supergirl, also related to Superman in the Earth 2 world, um, is, is, is warming to our more modern Superman, the one that we get on Earth 1, the Justice League Superman, saying, I'm really beginning to like the place. It, it has such a much nicer brand of Superman. So she's kind of like warm and like you're, so, I mean, literally in the body language, she's like, hey, babe, you're, you're really hunky. And... Uh, and he says, oh, thanks. Superman says, thanks, Power Girl, I, I, I guess. But frankly, I just can't used to y- get used to you. You're, you're nothing like my cousin, Supergirl. She's like, maybe not, but that's her problem. And then he's like, uh, well, uh, would you like to see the JLA trophy room? And she says, I'd love to. I'd love it if you'd show it to me, Superman. It's like this flirty thing with like another version of Superman's relative is flirting with our Superman. So, Star-Spangled Kid, yes, there's a Star-Spangled Kid. You didn't hear me mispronounce that. They're all gathering together. Dr. Fate is with them. They're all having their annual kind of, this is like a, a superhero cookout. It's like, um, you know, the, 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 it is the annual um, time to host the Justice Society, it says. Um, 22,000 miles above Earth in the orbiting Justice League satellite. It plays host to the Justice Society meetup as well okay and then right here guys right here this is what i'm talking about a hand a a literally a drawing of a hand is the fourth panel on page two and it says hold it um and if if it was stan lee and it was a marvel character would say hold it true believer but it says hold it in case you're slightly puzzled let's take a time out for our deftly condensed guide to the dual cosmos. Let's take time out for our deftly condensed guide to the dual cosmos. The JLA dwells on Earth-1. So designated because there uh, enlists a parallel world, another Earth named Earth-2. The second Earth occupies the same physical space as the twin, but vibrates at a completely different speed. Earth 2 is similar to our world, but with some notable differences and exceptions. For example, Jay Garrick is the Flash of Earth 2, and he is older than Barry Allen, the Earth 1 counterpart. Got that? All right, everybody. Good, because it's... And then Wildcat says, time to go home, ain't it? Like, like the trip's over, and they're going to head out, and then right as they're going to break up their 
big Justice League JSA chili cook-off. A giant magic hand from my favorite Legion villain called Mordru. He's a sorcerer in the 30th century. Comes through, and what comes crashing through with it? There's a giant hand that grabs Power Girl, Dr. Fate, the Jay Garrick Flash, the Alan Scott Green Lantern, the Earth 2 Hawkman, Batman, Black Canary, Superman, Green Lantern, Green Arrow, Dr. Fate, grabs them all and pulls them into the 30th century where the Legion join the fray. So we have the Legion of Superheroes. We've got Sunboy, Brainiac 5, Wildfire, Princess Projector, Shadow Lass, um, Lightning Lad are all teaming up. And in the and in the second part, and these are double-sized comics, in 1977, DC went to extra page count, so you got even more story. I mean, this cover is spectacular. The... Earth 2 Flash is punching Shadow Lass, who is blasting Green Lantern, who is blasting Lightning Lad, who is blasting Batman, who is holding, trying to hold on to Power Girl, who's punching Superman, who's being blasted by Earth 2 Green Lantern, who's being blasted by Wildfire as we start at the top again, and the Earth 2 Flash is racing by to hit Shadow Lass to complete the circle that I just read to you. This is exciting comics when you're a kid. Oh my gosh, I'm getting three super teams. I'm getting the Justice Society, I'm getting the Justice League, and I'm getting the Legion of Superheroes. And it's very easy. They put a hand right there to say, hey, if you don't understand this, there's an Earth 1, there's an Earth 2. They vibrate at different capacities, at different um, sequences, and this is how they both exist at the same time. And sometimes they team up, and sometimes they have crossovers, and it wasn't a problem, and kids like me understood it, and we were fine. I never had an issue with this. In 1978, in Justice League 159, they're all having dinner. It opens page 1. The 22 Club in Gotham City, Earth 1. Ordinarily, a watering spot for network TV executives, mayors, and other beautiful people. Today, it's been claimed for a private party, the annual gathering of the Justice League and the Justice Society, dedicated the preservation and advancement of justice on both of their respective worlds. This one's called Crisis from Yesterday. It gives you the roll call. Here's the players, as if you don't see them already sitting at the three different tables on this splash page that they're sitting at. At one table is Hawkman. I mean, Hot Girl, Wonder Woman, Dr. Fate, Huntress, Alan Scott, the Earth 2, Green Lantern, Red Tornado. At the other table is our fla- is, is both Flashes, Jay Garrick and Barry Allen. You got Batman, Superman from Earth 1, Green Lantern from Earth 1, Star Spangled Kid from Earth 2, Dr. Midnight from Earth 2, our Hawkman, our Green Arrow, our Wonder Woman, the Earth 2, Superman, and Black Canary are all gathered. This issue, they get crashed on in this crossover by some of DC's timeless characters, the Viking Prince, Jonah Hex, Miss Liberty, the Black Pirate, and Enemy Ace, some great World War I medieval characters, Western characters from the DCU. They're all standing over the fallen bodies of the Justice League and Justice Society on the cover to Justice League number 159. This was so simple to me. Again, they always explained. Right here at the top of 178, I'm going to give you one more primer. Earth 1 and Earth 2, two worlds alike in so many ways separated by a slim dimensional barrier. History is on the side of these worlds and has run parallel, and many things and people have been duplicated on both Earths, though with subtle differences. Justice Society, it says, on Earth 2, the superheroes, the superhero years, the superheroes years ago formed the Justice Society. Many of these heroes are now retired or have been replaced in part by younger fighters. Justice League is Earth-1's super team. Not Formed not so long ago, a similar group of heroes gathered as the Justice League. So, every summer, these 
Justice League and Justice Society all through the 80s. I never missed it. They would team up with a different super team. And it was always exciting. And you got the primer that there was two Earths. And as a kid, you just digested it. Yeah, cool. I get it. Okay, fine. And one day, somebody at DC Comics, it really bothered them. There was an Earth S and an Earth 2 and an Earth 1. And then at one point, there was an Earth Prime, which was the Earth without superheroes, which was us. So, so our world, you know, where our president right now, Earth Prime, would be, you know, the, the, the Biden is president. We just went through a pandemic. It is the world that we are in now. So somebody, some executive decided, I don't like this. I don't like all these Earths. This is really confusing for readers. It was not confusing. We understood it. It was simple. It only took a maximum of two panels, you know, every time out to set us on the course that we needed to go to show us like how simple it was to buy into the multiverse. So at some point in 1984, they wanted to do away with this, which begat the honestly greatest comic book crossover of all time. It's the results that, that, that were problematic, but the event of some giant menace destroying all the multiple Earths, I think there's a counter-Earth too. I mean, you guys, there's when they say multiple Earths, there's definitely Earths that I am not naming that were in play during this time. And uh, obviously, Marv Wolfman, George Perez executed at the highest possible level. Dick Giordano, Jerry Ordway were inking this at the time. And they collapsed all these worlds and they were being vaporized and there was the anti-monitor and, uh, the, and the monitor. And uh, man, it was just an insane uh, a, a major event that ran through all of the books in 1985 as DC corrected and settled on one Earth, one continuity. And then they put out a brand new history of the DC universe that was like, well, the World War II heroes stayed in World War II that time period, and if you see them from that time period, unless they are immortal, they aged. Then there is our new modern heroes of 85. Then, of course, they had their future iterations. They had the Legion. And, and then, of course, you know, there's Western stuff. There's there's They even have, like, prehistoric characters in the DC Universe. So, so the history of the DC Universe walked us through this new, more linear timeline, but it kind of capped all the fun because what I just shared with you with the Justice League, Justice Society, Legion of Superheroes, Jonah Hex, Enemy Ace, um, later on the All-Star Squadron, um, the New Gods, George Perez, who came in to uh, to do Justice League, had to pinch in after long-standing um, legendary penciler Dick Dillon passed away in the middle of that summer's crossover. And uh, and that was when the Justice League and the Justice Society were now going to cross over with Jack Kirby's notable fourth world of characters. Mr. Miracle, Big Barda, Orion, Light Ray, Darkseid, Granny Goodness, all of them made an appearance. It was epic. It's one of my favorites. But again, they kept bringing these third parties in, in, into these crossovers. And uh, the All-Star Squadron was a dedicated 19, uh, uh, World War II supergroup. So one year you had the Justice Society of America, as they existed in 1982, teaming up with the Justice League of that 1982, and then with the bad guy from World War II, and the heroes of World War II as they were in World War II from World War II. Again, really exciting, always a great time out. And you've seen this, and how this is simply, so simply put forth in uh, so many now productions. All of the Loki episodes, 
um, with, with explaining to you time travel, variants, parallel universes, parallel existences, into the Spider-Verse, which to me really broke down the door, did it simple. It did it very concisely, very easily, exactly in the in the in that film as they did here. Like, hey, here's how this works. These portals open up. These people come from different dimensions. We all exist together. It's fun. It's so fun. It's how you get all these rando variations. Some are great. Some are weird. All kind of seem to be fun. And 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 so as we move forward. What happened all those years, every year for decades, starting in 1963 with the Justice League, when the, which is the first time I encountered this in, in, in the DC universe, because I told you I already encountered Squadron Supreme, which was a Justice League echo that Marvel published with an Aquaman variant and a Green Lantern variant and a Flash variant. The Squadron Supreme had a year-long adventure with the Avengers right when I was getting into comic books in 1975. And... They, I'm like, these all look like, is this Marvel's? Super Friends. Again, Super Friends was a huge deal to kids of my age. We, um, it was a really well done superhero DC Comics, Justice League themed cartoon on Saturday mornings. And when it came back in 77, I mean, it went for another five, six seasons. It, it just never looked back. I mean, I think it went all the way through 84. I mean, you got all, you got Cyborg was in there. I mean, the Titans had already happened and been a thing. You got the superpowers line uh, that, that tied into it. So 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 Justice League, Superman, the Super Friends was a big deal. So when I, I first encountered like Echoes, which is what I call them, and now Marvel, you know, per the Loki show, calls them officially variants, you know, people as variants, uh, that, you know, was something that I had encountered for the first time then. Then immediately I saw these team-ups every summer and and they were so attractive. I had to pull these comics off the rack. I was more of a Marvel guy, but if DC gave me something colorful and fun, I went for it. The multiverse, as I understood it, was introduced right there, right then, and I understood it immediately. So simple. There's a couple of different Earths. Sometimes there's three Earths. Sometimes there's four. There's Earth S, Earth Prime, Earth 1, Earth 2. There's the future. So, so that's how we pull Legion in. There's another planet. You know, I mean... Comic fans, sci-fi fans, we get it. Star Trek has dabbled in this forever. Alternate universes, villainous versions of, you know, Kirk and Spock. And so so, so we accept it. Now the cinematic flex is coming. And they're going to be giving us to this. Uh, 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 they're they're going to be giving this to us regularly, I think. I think this is now going to become, essentially, you can wrap it all into team-ups. These are... The best way to facilitate team-ups. Could Ryan Reynolds, Deadpool, bump into a Doctor Strange or bump into a Spider-Man? It's easily established now when you, with the multiverse. You know, I understand that the Ancient One broke this down for us via Infinity War and Endgame. But um, the portals, the streams, the, 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 the stray timelines... You know, audiences are ready for it. Audiences are ready for it. And I think that is the diet that we're going to get. You're going to get origin stories setting up Shang-Chi, which needs to be, you know, unadulterated. You're going to get the Eternals, which is going to be more along the lines of the same thing. You got to establish the concept. Then from there, how do we get the team-ups? And how do we get anything we ever wanted? The ultimate fan servicing is now available via this mechanism. That is the multiverse. And I don't know what your first encounter with the multiverse was and what multiverse you encountered. But again, Miles Morales into the Spider-Verse, you know, we didn't meet him in that exact same way. That was unique, a unique story. But, you know, 
in the same way at the end of Deadpool 2 when he's got Cable's time travel device and he's jumping in to meet Ryan Reynolds to prevent him from making Green Lantern. Hilarious. He's going back in time to infiltrate Wolverine Origins. This is funny stuff, man. This is super funny stuff. And um, funny in how accessible it immediately becomes once you have the device, the portal, the magic, whether it's from Doctor Strange, Wong, the Ancient One, or the technology, okay? And I really do believe we are in for... Do I believe these movies are the way that, that these films go bigger, better, and continue to draw in the biggest audiences over the world? I do. I think so. I mean... If you saw Venom, there was an end credit scene. It 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 foretells of possibilities. What they did is they teased a possibility. Characters don't exactly encounter each other, but you can see that they're existing on some sort of same plane. I do believe if there is a Spider-Man and Venom and Carnage movie, it will be the biggest superhero movie of all time because those kids that I encountered at the comic book store were thrilled. Venom is now referred to way different than when I was growing up. Way, way, way different than when I was growing up. Venom is absolutely Spider-Man's number one nemesis. When I was growing up, it was Harry Osborn. It was Green Goblin. Um, I mean, Green Goblin murdered his girlfriend. He killed Gwen Stacy. That put him on the map, but he was already a prime, prime villain. For me, it was Green Goblin and Doc Ock were always the dedicated, most notorious, most villainous, the villains that I would say were at the top of the... Uh, Spider-Man food chain. I'd put Kraven and Sandman and Lizard and Electro, like really great villains, but they weren't the dedicated bad guys. Green Goblin was the A-list, you know, guy that haunted Spider-Man's existence. Doc Ock right after that. Maybe A and B, B and A, okay? But now it's Venom. Venom is 100% considered and probably Carnage right behind him. The symbiotes are now the biggest threat and seen as Spider-Man's primary adversary and you blink and it's been 30 years and of course it has and and the great green goblin stories of the past and and those are all behind us and it has been so symbiotic focused that that makes sense that venom is now to all the kids of the last 30 20 years if you were buying comics as a teenager and i met you in the 90s and i was signing your x-forces and your young bloods and your prophets you were encountering and 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 consuming venom and carnage and all of that and as a result, they've never taken the pedal off since then. And Venom got his own, you know, miniseries. The Venom and Deadpool breakouts of the 90s. I mean, I've got my book, The History of the 90s, Marvel Comics. Deadpool is on the spine. Deadpool and Venom are on the cover. They are kind of the two big breakout anti-heroes, uh, 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 popular figures from that time. And, and so the fact that they are now experiencing blockbuster solo success on their own is not a mystery to anybody who was buying comics at the time, but most certainly Venom has become Spider-Man's number one menace. So menace and carnage right behind him. So to put them all three in a book, if Tom Holland and Tom Hardy share a screen, I do absolutely 100% believe heads will explode. I don't know who produces that movie. I don't know how that movie gets made. Is it all Sony? Is it Marvel? Again, these are possibilities. There's stuff for us to, to explore. It's going to be exciting when it happens. My prediction is we're going to get so much of it. You better be ready. So much of it is, is on the way. I guarantee you, if I can guarantee you one thing in life, I am going to guarantee you that the, uh, that these, uh, the, these, these are coming. The, 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 the multiverse has been cracked wide, wide, wide open. And, and that is, um, the future 
that is coming to us um, as as soon uh, uh, as as. Uh, I mean, I, I think I think the pipeline is full. The pipeline is full. So these were my experiences in the multiverse. Maybe your first multiverse experience was into the Spider-Verse. Maybe it was Miles Morales, and maybe that's made it easier for you to digest all this stuff. Maybe it was the ancient one in, in the, you know, climactic Avengers saga, you know, explaining to Mark Ruffalo. Maybe he was, th- th- that, that breakdown was the go-to playbook for you to follow going forward. Maybe it was the Loki show, Okay. Um, so many, maybe it was parts of WandaVision. They are doctrinating us to this, to the fact that it's going to be a no, no brainer. And in fact, so exciting. I mean, what if there was an Edward Norton Hulk standing alongside a Mark Ruffalo Hulk standing along an Eric Banya Hulk? Did I just pull that out of my ass? I did. That is completely pulled out of my ass. I made that up, but it's a possibility. And if I was the guy who was telling me and congratulating me about Jim Carrey being in Deadpool 3, which hadn't happened yet and maybe never going to happen, and I don't know anything about it, but he was congratulating me as it was a fact. If I'm that guy, I just look at you when I tell you that I want to see Banya and Norton and Ruffalo, and I say, but I but I want it to be true, okay? Like, it's a magic lamp. But these, this is the future as we know it. This is what's coming after us. And it's going to be very exciting. It is a exciting time. I'm excited for comic books. I'm excited for comic book movies. Again, I'm excited for when they came from in these Justice League, Justice Society, Legion of Superheroes, All-Star Squadron, Enemy Ace, Jonah Hex, uh, uh, Shazam Family crossovers that I grew up on. They they indoctrinated me so quickly to, to this multiverse. And it is one of the fun and special parts of, of what comic book kind of, uh, you know, the parameters of comic books. The Star Wars movies don't do this yet. Maybe they never should. Certainly Star Trek has. You know, the Q was a conduit in the Star Trek Next Generation for making some of these alternate timelines occur. Um, so, so, so Twilight Zone, it's it's not fresh. It's not new. But I think comics has done it better than anybody. And I, and I really believe that the movies are about to outflex all of us. Thank you guys for hanging on to another show. This is the time when I, um, thanks for joining me and hanging out with me. This is where I read your reviews of the show. We need your reviews. Get on there. Give us, give us, um, the highest rating you possibly can and say something nice. And I will read it at the end of the show because why not? Um, and you guys are good enough to do this and I am good enough to read them back because I love you guys. John D 21, 927 says it right here from a boy to a main geek the best comic book for all things geek podcast rob has it spot on there is no second to the best out there wow rob Liefeld grew up in it he's lived it now he speaks of it from the first words on the first episode you are hooked to listen to each and every episode please listen closely to this man <laughs> to this man geek he has a lot to drop on you. Push play. Listen how he grew up loving comics and how he broke up starting the greatest comic company ever to hit the stands. Thank you, sir. All the controversies and misunderstandings to a bucket load of talent that he groomed and flourished within all the pages that you loved. Rob's observation keeps you entertained, wanting more. Push play and go read a comic, preferably one that he's speaking on. Wow, John! 21972 thank you thank you for that most generous um review i am i am just so thrilled that you guys enjoy the show and that you share your enjoyment that you share your enjoyment and your excitement and your enthusiasm with the show with others at these signings all summer long you guys are so generous 
um, talking to me about your podcast. And I am so um, thrilled that you're entertained. I've told some of you, I don't know why I do this. I've just now <laughs> become so addicted to talking into this blue mic and talking about my passion and sharing it with you. And I'm so happy that we found kind of that common ground there. Thank you again, you guys. I am all over social media. I am on Twitter at Robert Liefeld, the full name with the blue check. I am on Instagram at Rob Liefeld, R-O-B-L-I-E-F-E-L-D with the blue check. I am all over Facebook. I am all, I'm, I'm in so many groups. I am all over that place. Thank you so much for hanging out with me, for exchanging ideas, thoughts, um, concepts. I love it. Let's continue to meet there and talk and, and, and generate conversation. Continue to spread the word of this show. I appreciate it so, so, so much. And, uh, and we got some fun stuff coming up on the show that, um, I can't quite tell you about, but I, I hope, um, you guys hang around. So, cause we got some, some, some really fun stuff coming. Um, Thank you again, you guys. This is the time of the show where you commit to me that you are going to take care of yourself and I believe it and you better and you're going to stay safe and we are going to talk again real soon. (laughs) 